Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 148B of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. We can now be found on YouTube. Look at the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN. Just uh, We're under that umbrella on YouTube right now, and we're getting some good feedback, so I'm going to keep her going. And today... You're going to be happy that I got YouTube going on because I got one of one of the best looking ex pros out there, educated ex pros. He is one half of the Crazy Eights. He is a former St. John's Maple Leaf. He is a former Edmonton Oiler, a current business owner, an all round good guy, and one of my best friends, Taran Sandwith. Sandman, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, and uh, I like your setup here. It's uh, very professional. We're yeah, uh, we're evolving. We're evolving now. When I leave on Sunday, as you know, to uh, go to Sudbury, when I get back, I'm going to make somewhat of a studio. But uh, you like the banner and stuff we got going here on YouTube? Yeah, it's fantastic! It's great. Yeah, look professional. Exactly. You have your people need to see your face on uh, online too. Right? Oh yeah, they're going to see plenty of my face coming up soon. <laughs> and, uh, the 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 one of many faces that I have. But yeah, I'm looking forward to a Teddy Hitchcock coming back to a living room near you in uh, in a few months. And uh, we start shooting it on Monday. And I to say I'm looking forward to it would be a huge understatement. It's not only uh, – glad you asked. It's not only <laughs> – yeah, but it's not only the filming. It's seeing the guys. And I'm going to get – you know, I'm going to get to uh, Moonlight down in Toronto a little bit. You and I are going go to go for a bite to eat here and there. Well, it seems like it's been forever since uh, the first season came out. So, I know mean, I, I talked to so many people that are just like, can't wait like they're asking when's the next season come when's the next season so it's gonna be good so you're doing you're gonna shoot the first one here and then hopefully a third one in the fall kind of thing is hopefully that- that's yeah that, that, that's the uh i don't know where their their end game is completely because a lot of the same people and a lot i'm talking like cast crew writers not cast sorry crew the writers um you know production team all of that is pretty much the same people that do letter Kenny, but letter Kenny is a little bit different. They're still going. I think it's like season 12, but letter Kenny's almost could be like each scene could be like a skit almost on a, on a, one of those, you know, Saturday night live type variety shows. And I find Shorzy has this, it's, it, I don't want to say more of a heart because I don't want to disrespect Oh, that's, that's my alarm. Sorry. Uh, oh, that's all right. Uh, Letter Kenny or whatever it would be. But, um, you know, it follows the story of Shorzy a little bit closer than. Yeah, it's I a character build. There's a lot of character build. Like, I mean, uh, like what's going to happen to your character this season? And, like, you know, what's, it's going to evolve, I'm sure. And- yeah, it seems the characters, I don't want to say more depth even because we're a bunch of fools, but. You know, it's a difference. If it's a different, there's more of. I think you, you've. It's more of a linear storyline. There you go. Um, now speaking of that, but I am going to be in Ontario now for the better part of the next two months. Uh, I'm getting a bit of feedback. Do, 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 do you hear that? I don't hear anything. Sounds great to me. I'm not sure. If okay. It well, it sounds good to you. That's um, all. Sorry. As long as it well, sounds good. I, I can hear it a little bit, 
but you know, we'll see afterwards, I guess. Um, so I'm going to be up there a bit. So your plans now for the next couple months are to be back and forth in Toronto. But after that, why don't you tell everybody where we're thinking about going, where we're making some plans and how, because I don't remember how the seed was planted, but I know that you, as well as I, are very interested in going to this destination. So tell us a little bit about it, Sam. Well, I, uh, it started for me uh, that I, like I got older kids, more like uh, they're 12, 12, 16, and it's like they go to summer camp in July. So it started, I had this little block of time and I've been traveling more and wanted to do stuff and this sort of gave me an opportunity to think about going farther away. Uh, so that was the first sort of thing. And then, and then I, you and I, as always get into these, well, we think we're really smart because we have a few drinks in us and we start talking about <laughs> very deep conversations, whether it's philosophy, yeah, exactly. Whatever, whatever topic we choose. And, um, I think one night we just get on, um, history and then uh, I know we both love history, uh, ancient civilizations. And we just sort of got going down that path. I'm really kind of sort of a, been into that a lot lately as far as looking in the, you know, the Egyptians and, and, uh, the, you know, ancient cultures back then and like, you know, the history of humanity and things like that. Um, so we started hitting on Peru. Like, I don't know who brought it up. We thought like, like I always wanted to go to Machu Picchu. I mean, it's been yeah. a buckle yeah. for me. So as soon as I think we kind of hit on that, it was like, yeah, let's see if we can do that. Cause you have, you, you have some freedom at that time too. Yeah. And, you know, not too many people can get away for a couple of weeks. Um, summertime, especially. So, yeah, so that's how it started. So I and, and I was very lucky enough. I had a friend of mine that I uh, play uh, hockey with on Wednesdays here in Toronto. Uh, his name's Greg Sachs, and he owns a company called Truffle Pig, uh, and it's a travel company, of kind of boutique travel company, and they do real specialized trips and customized trips for anybody all over the world. And he's a super interesting guy. So I was like, I'm just gonna email Greg and see what you know. See what ah. we can do. So right away, we so we have. Uh, Victoria's her name. She's uh, sent an email this morning. You got a form to fill out. I'll send it to you after. And uh, they're going to start putting a package together for us for ten days. I think we're going to have down there. And yeah. um, I mean, I know you're saying I, I want to see as many of these ruins as possible. Uh, love to learn about them more. Um, obviously, get into the culture of Peru. Uh, spend a day or two in Lima, which I hear is a great food culture and uh, nightlife, and you know just. Uh, I'm really excited. I mean, well, I know you're excited too. So, yeah, this has actually happened. I, mean, I was excited a little bit of a lark. We're again drunken, drunken talks, and you know how you go. Yeah, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. Let's you know, <laughs> conquer the world. I'm gonna. We've solved all the world's problems. Let's get going. But yeah, this is uh, something that's actually. I'm really looking forward to it. So, and you know what's funny? I play those. Uh, you know, sometimes you can just go play playlist. I think I was on either the Disney uh, app or. or whatever it is, yeah, the, the Disney app, and or YouTube, maybe it was one of those, but I, I, the other night I was just had it on, like, play playlist, and it plays to your likings or whatever, like what, and I, I'll go off and, and, and watch those uh, documentary-type shows or, or movies or whatever it would be. So we just happened to be talking about it, and sure enough, the next thing up was a 47-minute profile of Machu Picchu. So... I watched it, and I, I mean, I've read about it, and I've heard people that had gone there. I don't think I'd ever saw something with my own eyes so in, in depth that explained it all and, like, how it kind of came about. And, man, it is wild. If Even if you weren't in the history of it, the fact that they could make everything from the irrigation to the way the – like, it's apartments there. Like, you know, it was a civilization. What fascinates me – for me, I often look back, I think – my, in my ignorant mind, before I really went and took courses in school to correct it, my, I wouldn't give anybody credit before electricity. To me, they were all cavemen, cavewomen before that. But, you know, now, so I'm not talking like ancient Egyptians. I'm talking like up to the 1800s. Just in my mind, I didn't give. And then you then you get into Shakespeare and you realize it was like 1600, 1500s. And then you realize that, you know, the Roman rule and stuff just ended like 13, 1400 years. So you realize that these things are not that far in our past. And when you look at places like Rome and Machu Picchu, you can see the way that like that was really the only difference was electricity. 
and places that right now you could be out of electricity. Not that I want to focus on that, but you could kind of put a city anywhere. But the brilliance, I mean, the brilliance I think of Machu Picchu is where it's located. So it's like at the top of a mountain chain. And I guess, I mean, you can help me out here if, if you know more about it, but the way I see it, it you know, it, it was very protected and it's in a very, you know, you can kind of see everything, but it, there, it, it was also relating to the gods. You know, they had their beliefs before science was what it was. So it's a beautiful place that's at the end of a long way. You can either hike um, or you can take a bus so far, but there's going to be a level of hiking to it. But to me, I find it all fascinating in that we're going to be going on a nice vacation to somewhere hot, but the history of it is pretty crazy. And this is up on my list. Now, how did you become first interested in Machu Picchu? Well, I think in the larger, I've really started to become interested in the fact of realizing just sort of like, you know, research that I've done and, and you know, shows I've watched and books that I've read. It's like that we don't, we have this sort of um, historical picture on, on the time frame of civilization. And there's, there's this evidence coming out now that, that our, you know, civilization has gone back a lot farther than what we traditionally thought. Like they thought, yeah. right. So, I mean, they've got, they found that Gobleki Tepe um, place in, in Turkey, which is, is uh, 12,000 years old. Right. So now, now was that part of, that was part of the, series you recommended me watch on netflix right yeah, that's, yeah, that was in the ancient apocalypse on netflix and that's that's a, that's a good summarization of what some of the theories are out there of, of, okay of, good of, yeah i mean right? you take a lot of it with a grain of salt but i think that's a perfect example i don't i don't know if i dig every single thing but i totally believe that there's a lot of truths that we haven't discovered that are right there look sorry i'm taking over go ahead no i know I, I think that the, what you can definitely say a fact is that we really don't know our own history like we, yeah. we, it's something's there's something missing there um i mean you even go to the lidar stuff they're doing now in, in, in the amazon rainforest and they're finding these crazy uh structures in the forest and the jungles um you know there's speculation that like and they haven't really even searched you know millions of square kilometers of the, of the amazon rainforest for for stuff like this right so there's there's speculation that there's millions of people that could have been living uh in, in south america um I mean, there was a one the one fascinating thing um was that the when the the uh spanish first came to south america there was a guy that wrote a book about his what he saw and he saw like millions of people and he saw huge civilizations huge like you know um sophisticated cities and things like that and he wrote this in this book then when they we, they came back and they didn't go back there for like another 50 years or it was a while before they, like they really started uh, conquering Spain or conquering the South America and there was nobody there. And, and it's because the, you know, it, it's just logic says and speculation, but logic is that like we brought smallpox over diseases over there and just wiped out, just wiped them yeah. all out, which, you know, it happened in North America. Like we, I mean, there's factual evidence that that happened to, to, Native yeah, Americans yeah. all over, right? So, um, anyway, so it's just kind of fascinating that it just seems like there's these little pieces, these large chunks of uh, pieces missing that we were very sophisticated along before, you know, the narrative. Yeah, man, I, I think so. Also. Yeah, so it's, anyway, that's that's really what fascinates me. Uh, even just go look at Machu Picchu, and, and again, I mean, you can see all the pictures you want, but just physically go see how high that is and what it would take for them to engineer that and build it. And, and like, dude, I couldn't believe it. it. Well, it, first of all, it, it's almost unbuildable. So they chose the hardest place possible. I didn't realize that. I thought everywhere, all we outside of the pyramids, which I mean, how do you get those stones there anyway? But, but outside of that, I thought most places would have been, you know, like St. John's is on a Harbor makes sense. Right. I, I thought that each place that came to be would have some sort of, relationship with the geography around it that in a convenient way right just would come to see like people evolve places evolve it would make sense like you said usually logic but right they were doing it for different reasons and it was a lot of it was worship and a lot of it was you know we're going to make this because it's impossible i didn't really think about it like that you know this is how we're going to do this and sam and right down like when it gets rainy up there there's mudslides right so 
even today it would be difficult to to put something of the sort up there. So the fact Absolutely. that it's still there after hundreds and hundreds of years is pretty wild. Speaking of linking the past, did I ever tell you that I was in Tri-Cities when they found Kennewick Man? And no. That, okay, this, this happened. No. Um, Kennewick, this is wild. I can hear feedback, but I'm just going to go with it. On, on me only, not you. Um, I hope people can't at home. If, if they can, apologies. Um, I went to Tri-Cities in for boat races, 96. And that, for those that don't know, that's a big, uh, it's a big party. It's a festival in the summer. You know, a lot of places have, you know, St. John's Day. Well, this, the boat races in Tri-Cities are where it's at. People come back home, like, during that time. It's a very vibrant time of year. And it's about a month before the major junior season starts. So we went down one year. And Sam, man, we're sitting there and they found these, oh, they thought it was, and there was a young girl missing. I forget her name. I don't know. But that's who they thought it was. So we thought that we were there for the finding of Marianne, whatever, whoever it was, right? Because, you know, the boats, were, you know, the police boats came over, the police cars and everything. There's clearly caution tape. You know, they found a dead body right there. This was on the river? This was in the river. So we thought it was the person that they'd been looking for, which everybody thought. So... About, I don't know, I don't know how long later, Sam, but I kept in touch with my billets for the most part for a while. And Mark Eby, my billets, like, you know, it, that ended up being Kennewick Man, what they found. So what they, that was key because wh whatever happened in the finding proved that people took that ice pass from Russia to Alaska and came down that way. They always thought that they came the other way. But they were like, no, this way, they this makes sense. It was all ice. So whatever it was, it really was a missing link. And they found out that that went back 10,000 years, that they'd come out way, way earlier than they thought. So here we are, Sandman. And I remember thinking that was cool. But at the time, I didn't appreciate it. I go back to university in 2009, and the very first elective I take is archaeology. And the guy's in there, and he brings it. I'm like half snoozing at the table, right? Like, it's an elective, and I don't know much about it. I'm not saying that I didn't take school seriously, especially not when I went back. But of all the courses I took, I, I, I like archaeology. It sounds interesting, but I know anthropology, yes. I get a degree in folklore. A lot of those cross over, right? The study of so, social situations and cities and all of that. But this is archaeology, digging all the stuff up, and I'm not going to do that. So I'm kind of paying attention, kind of in and out of it. And then he brings up Kennewick Man, and I perk up. I go, what? And he goes, on July 27th, 1996, or whenever it was. And I'm like, holy shit. I go, this is about 13 people in the class, right? Summer course. And I go, I was there that day. Yeah, like, was, what are the odds, yeah, right? Yeah, peacock, and I was there. And he's going, like, yeah, sure you were, kid. Yeah. Sure you were, right? Yeah. Sure you, you were. <laughs> yeah, no, I was right there, man. It was wild. Um, staying on topic, how many points do you think Connor Bedard gets this year coming? The like the, the first NHL season, or yeah. this? Uh, if you like, let's just say Sandman. You know, I'm worried. About easy skating. answer: sixty to seventy. Uh, the easy answer. I'm worried about, about skating. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I could totally be proven wrong, but like, um, I mean, he's going to, don't get me wrong, he's going to be a hell of a player, right? But I just wonder, like the hype that he's getting is the same hype that, that McDavid got, right? But McDavid was like, could was the fastest guy in the NHL when he first arrived. Like, I mean, he could stick handle better than anybody when he first arrived. Like he could, you know? I know, it's interesting. And, and so, yeah, Connor's got these dynamics and they, obviously the shot's incredible. Um, he's a dynamic player for sure, but he's not a skater like McDavid. Like he's he's not right. Um, I don't. I, I three points a game. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I but hey, I oh, find, but like, okay. Put it this way, Sam. Man, put it this oh, way. You have playing against a junior that had three points a game, not three points a game. But you know, like like look at like a Len Barry. I remember, or, or like that. yeah, but Len yeah, Barry was nineteen. Yeah, well, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, 71 goals, 72 assists in his draft year. I mean, his numbers are better than McDavid's at that age. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm with you. This is the thing. If there was a gun to my head, I'm with you. 
But let's just say this. Let's say I think I think the Vegas odds would say he gets between let's loosely say fifty-five and seventy-five points. Yeah, I was gonna say sixty. Now, if he's going to if that's not gonna happen, do you think it's more likely that he gets under fifty-five or over seventy-five? Uh, I I'd say under, under fifty-five. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that you you think, and that's just like normal rookie. That not no normal rookie, but like whoever gets the Calder Trophy every year, generally we get more than that, wouldn't they? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, probably I, forty I, to I, sixty. I, I probably I'm probably going to be totally eat my words here, but I mean I, I think it's going to be around sixty. I'm with you when I watch him play, but I, the numbers fascinate me. I just can't believe it. Like I went in at fifteen in the WHA in, in the WHL, played three games with Tri Cities. And I, I believe it was like a big deal. Like this guy's at 15 years old and he's called up. And, you know, I went third overall in that draft. Like I'm not saying I'm Connor Bedard, but I know what that lens is to be a 15-year-old. I'm trying to think of the best. Again, he didn't, you know, he was the same. He played like maybe one or two games. I'm trying, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. So I'm not saying I'm counting chickens at all. But I'm saying back then, I know what it's looked like to look at at least with my peers and everything, if you just want to use them, the WHL at 15. And he led his team in scoring. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I, 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 but when I see him, I know you, you figure the NHL major juniors, one thing speed is like, and who knows, but maybe he's so crafty. I don't know. Dry out there. Dry fast, but half the time he slows it down. Well, yeah, but that's a total different, exactly. That's a total different game, right? That he plays and he's big. And he's big. Um, I, Again, it's so hard to project these young players, but I think that you're going to be playing against faster guys, bigger guys. Like you're not. I mean, he's playing again. Juniors do you think it Do you think it matters where he goes? Like, if he goes to say Montreal and they put him like, they say Montreal and 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 Phoenix both suck, right? But yeah. if he goes say to a team like Montreal, who are the other options? I'm trying to think, but let's just say Montreal. He's got you know other players around him that have a little bit of magic in them. I don't, I don't, some of those bottom teams have nothing. I don't think Chicago get anything, do they? Uh, I think, I mean, they got a few players that might get like close to a point of game, but Caulfield's going to be a star. Suzuki is, but they both shoot right. So that's not, but anyway, I'm just trying to think, do you think the team matters? Uh, well, it goes both ways, right? Like say if he goes to Arizona, like he's going to be the man right away and he's going to be given all the ice time and what have you. Uh, he can be Yeah, but what if you're the man with Laos and Kraus as opposed to being the man yeah. with Cole Caulfield? Well, I got to think with a cap space, they probably would go and try and get some guys if they, if they got, uh, if they got a counter guard, right? Like you got to think they're going to try to put some help from, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it's, that's semantics. I mean, you know, if he's, playing with, if he's playing with like a Connor David, which uh, he's not going to be, like that's a different story. But I, I think he'll, I think he'll do the same no matter what. I wish hockey play. had more like firecracker GMs like basketball. Like you know, he couldn't play with McDavid, but technically he could. If this was the NBA and he wanted to, something would happen. Like you know, they'd probably trade half their team, but there is a chance Bedard would play with McDavid or Crosby next year. No, um, it's not. I don't. Know. I don't understand that NBA thing. Just, just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> just, it's crazy. Like, all the players have so much control, which is you know, which is good in a way. I mean, I really yeah, but now, so now it's like, yeah, you know what? Well. It became, remember load management a few years ago and now people are getting used to it and now they're going, well, you know, I'm going to play my 55, 60 games. I can't believe it. I'm a paid fan. You're making 40 million. Yeah, what? Exactly. What? Like, I'm going, million. holy fuck, isn't that to play basketball? Aren't I paying you 40 fucking million to go out and play basketball? Just play basketball. Give me, if all these fans are here, okay, load management, how's this? Play just 15 minutes tonight, but do something. Right? Go out there. You're Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, or I shouldn't say Durant plays, but a lot of guys now. Hey, hey, hey. It's like uh, Embiid, fuck, was playing, uh, what's the, Jokic, is it? The, the two possible yeah. MVPs the other night. And Embiid didn't play because it was Saturday, and he doesn't play back-to-backs close to the playoffs. Two of the best young possible MVP guys. in. The, no, sorry, guys. Sorry. It's no, oh, it's unbelievable that they can get away with that. I, I, I just, it's that's just taking it too far, you know, for me. I mean, 
I, I think when you if you if you're playing a professional sport, any sport, you take the you know that you're you're putting your body at risk. I mean, even if it's not even yeah. if it's not a contact sport, like you're you're gonna get wear and tear in your body, you're gonna all that kind of stuff, you're training all the time. That is the game you're playing. But you're trying especially at that level, you're making 40 million bucks a year. Okay, That's so you okay, so you don't playing. play one you don't play one season at the end of your career, like because you played all the games. Like, come on, like that's yeah. It's just, that's what you're here to do, to your point. That's it's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know who, like, if we didn't have a sample size to pick from, but unfortunately for them, we have decades upon decades littered with people like Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They didn't have to do it. How did, how did Nolan Ryan pitch nine no-hitters? How did yeah. that happen? You know, I, when it comes to baseball, people now, I'm like, holy fuck, this management, yeah. this man, I yeah. get it to well, a degree. The pitch count and all that stuff. Is, pitch, but you, you got to read the, you got to read the athlete at some point. Oh, you God, know? Yes. Like, yeah, I mean, I Matt Murray, remember. Matt Murray, okay, whatever it is, it applies to him. He's yeah. as brittle as there is a goalie I've ever seen in my life. When he's on, he's on. And then he misses three months. I wouldn't want that either. But some people you can tell. Martin Brodeur, again, I'm it's our generation, but I don't know him, but I know everybody he came across. I've seen him. I've seen documentary. I know Pete, he was a fucking gamer that wanted to be in there every goddamn night. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah, you're right. I agree. That's, uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, I remember that that happened, uh, in the playoffs of the Jays last year. I can't remember. I was at, I was at that game there when, uh, they pulled, uh, the pitcher, um, and they oh, yeah. came oh, yeah. back and rounded down their throat, but he was pitching, he was pitching. Okay. But they wanted to get another, I can't remember what it was. It was a left hand. The guy was a left hand. He switched to. I was a right. He's batting right. He switched to left when the other pitcher came out. And he just. And, uh, and, I can't yeah, remember. I, know. I remember the end of last year. The Jays had someone. And it's like every that. decision. Yeah. That um, like, you're feeling like even as a layperson in baseball, you're like, there's no way that guy should have got pulled. Like, you know, he's doing okay. He was hanging them in there. Like they had a good lead. At the and time. that's when that's when you look at the athlete. Yeah. And you see what the and the athlete wants the ball and the athlete and that's where I'm like analytics that's there because it's a different mindset. I don't care how many Tuesdays a year that in the third inning he got rocked. I'm just saying that if it's you're a fucking manager, you're looking at this guy. He's the one with the ball. It's different analytics. I'm like, you know, there's an analytic for everything, and sometimes obviously it makes sense. Of course, I'm going to use it. I want to know what this guy's doing. But when you look so deep into it and it's already a good pitcher, like Tampa Bay, was it Blake? I forget his fucking last name. Not Snell. That's a high. Anyway, it was a pitcher a couple years ago for Tampa Bay. And he's one of the best, and they're in the playoffs. And he's throwing a gem, and it's like the sixth. And analytics said to take him out. And he when he got pissed off, man. He wanted the ball. Um, and, and you know, he got taken out and then they lost and you're like, Jesus, at some point now, who knows, maybe analytics would have, but to me that you, you're paying this guy all this money, you're putting him in, this is what we want. Right. And if he, if he does succeed, it's even more of a win because he fucking reached down and it's a momentum for us. Well, what does it say to your teammates and things like that? Like that, that whole, that whole culture piece too, that analytics never can capture. And I mean, I'm all for analytics. I think the more data, the better in anything yeah, or, business totally. or whatever. But you have to be able to have somebody that's professional and knows what they're looking at and be able to interpret those numbers and then be able to use them and still use your experience and your gut instinct and your, you know, your feel. You're for exactly them. right. It's not one or yeah. the other. Yeah. Yeah. And I, right. I mean, I feel that I, I tell me if you, if you think I'm wrong here, but I actually do feel hockey sort of that pendulumness kind of swung back a little bit where, I mean, analytics is still a huge part of the game, and, and it hasn't gone away. But it has. But it it seems yeah. to be there. Seems to be the usage of you know old school, you know, feel and gut and, and just experience and and not that kind of stuff. There's a little bit to that. I totally Come agree. Back. My, uh, you know, like I said, sometimes you do read the analytics, and sometimes you have to read the the player and the situation. My favorite, by the way, ever is with Tommy Lasorda. I, I think was the manager in, uh, I believe it was 1988 the Dodgers Oakland and the Dodgers put in Kirk Gibson who had two bad knees. He's out for the year. He was just on the bench. He's out for the year, but they put him in for those that don't know. This is my favorite sports moment of all time. It's just singular moments. And he fouls off about nine, man. It's three and two. And he just, he, he, he can only swing. They're like, I don't know. He's he, unless he hits a home run, he can't make it to first base. Both of his, both of his knees need surgery. And they did. He's just sitting here now. The only reason, 
that he's not getting surgery now is to be with his team for the playoff run. Anyway, he comes out, man, and I believe it's like it, it's it's either the ninth or extra innings. Bottom two, right? I mean, it could be a movie. And and you can see the swing. He just uses his arms, and he wills, and it pops over the fence, and you're like, oh, my Jesus. That's the sort of knowing the player in the situation going, you know what? Someone in there is better than – I know it's Kirk Gibson. We get two bad knees. He hasn't played in three games. He's you know he's out till fucking September. Yeah. But it's Kirk Gibson. God damn yeah. it. It's yeah. Kirk Gibson. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Some of those players just have that mojo, right? And, uh, yeah, you just know. You just need them in those situations. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odd boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook every day to see what they have in store. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Again, that's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Speaking of that, what's your sp- favorite sports moment? doesn't have to do with analytics. That was just where my uh, mind went. Oh, gee, hell, yes. Um, my favorite sports moment. God, you know what? I'm just not really <laughs> – for a guy that played hockey or whatever, I'm not really like that guy that, that follows sports very much. Like, I'll watch well, it. Mean, you were I'm there when like, Lemieux scored top corner from Gretzky. I mean, that has to be well, one of them. That You're was about one of them. Years I, old. Remember, I remember, like, when, you know, being a kid in Edmonton when the Oilers were in their Stanley Cups. I mean, I can't speak, I can't pick a specific – the one the one I think that's seared in my memory, uh, any like sports moment, is when Gretzky got traded from Edmonton to L.A. Yeah. There you go. Right that's, a, that's a fucking moment. Yeah. yeah I was at the right age, and I remember, like, the shock, like – you know, you had to be there. It had to be. You had to be have been there, like when they were winning their cups and how that team was and what it meant to the city. And then for for Pocky to just to rip him out of Edmonton was just like, I mean, that guy. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't get murdered. That honestly, yeah, I. That that's. I guess I was ten. That's a vivid, vivid, vivid memory, though. I couldn't believe it was happening. You know, certain things stay with you. Yeah. Um, and I. If you're any kind of hockey fan, especially back then when social media wasn't a thing, that's how we all got it. We knew that we knew the press conference was coming, yeah. and everybody everybody in Canada that watched followed hockey was sitting around, man. Absolutely, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was and unlike crazy. unlike LeBron James, who took his talents to Miami, smirking, <laughs> Gretzky was crying. Oh man, that- oh man, it was, like, it was just totally emotional for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it was the best thing for hockey, probably. If you want to, you know, be honest. Uh, how about this speaking of Gretzky speaking of Gretzky I do this a lot so I don't want to revisit this because I always say you measure it's hard to measure eras so it's relative dominance to me it's relative dominance that's that's how you really like I said right now if 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 70 points won the scoring the next 10 years and Connor McDavid wins it every year well that's fucking pure dominance I don't care how so it's not the point now this year is pretty crazy with what he's doing. And I agree, man. I love Connor McDavid. I love Sidney Crosby. I cheer for the McDavid, I guess, is the point threat. So I'm not trying to stick to Gretzky or Lemieux. I'm really not. I just don't want people to forget how crazy it was. And they were way – I know the goalies and everything. But here's what I couldn't believe, Sam, man. The only thing I've never done is look into it. <laughs> so I couldn't so- fucking believe this last night. I'm going, okay, everybody's still saying, you know, in relative terms. Someone yesterday said, well, David getting 150 now is like 300. I'm like, no, it's not. Back then, I go, it's not. There's there's nuances. There's differences. I, first of all, imagine if those guys were out in overtime and there was no fucking hooking and holding and no red line. First of all, okay? So I don't care how fucking bad the goalies were, how little gear they had on. Those three things when it comes to fucking Gretzky and Lemieux of all people really would have made a difference. I don't know about Gordie Howe, but with those two that would have made a huge difference i'm going somewhere with this in 19 
Or in 2022-23, the average goals a game is 3.23. In 93-94, it was 3.24. I thought I was going to see a, I thought I was going to see 6.7. Right. right, if you're talking about the goalie sucking, then everybody would have gotten way more points, right? Then yeah. every now I know the difference because Gretzky or Lemieux for 16 years in a row won the scoring, and that's what I mean is relative dominance. Now this year, yeah. McDavid is crazy. That if he keeps any of this up, I will put him in that conversation. I just think it's slightly premature. Not to say anything else, I'm just saying Gretzky, and that's a huge thing. It's like when LeBron gets mad because he's. I'm, I'm saying you're number two, LeBron. Are you that big? You know. It's, it's Michael Jordan. It's the same thing. I love McDavid, but I really expected that number to be astronomical. In 1987, it was 3.7. So there's really not that many more yeah. goals. There was probably, like, say, in the 2000s or whatever, there must have been a lower goals. I mean, I just I feel that goals have yes. in the last few years. 2000s, it was the worst. Yeah. Yeah, so correct. I, I think to your point, and on that, that's, it makes the point is that the, it's a relative era. Like in different things are happening in different eras. I think training adjusts, players adjust, all that. So obviously, things get stakes get higher, money gets bigger. I mean, hey, that's you know, a great point too. Stakes get higher, money gets involved, and it right. becomes more of a business. Like hence, people are robotic in the gym now. We were just, hey, let's go work out. Well, I mean, I was actually going to say that. Like when what I what I miss about that era with the, the Momu, Gretzky era, and, and a lot of those players, like, there was a poetry to their game. Like, even yeah. going back to like, Bobby Orr or whatever, like, there was a poetry to how they played. Like, it was yeah. beautiful to watch, and it was a very uh, organic uh, way that they played. Whereas all these players now are so – the, the training behind them and their their foundation of training and, you know, I mean, McDavid, you know, had a puck, you know, millions and millions of times in his backyard or whatever like and and doing those moves and practicing those moves over and over and over again it's incredible that, that, that time and effort and of course his talent's off the charts again yeah. i'm not i love the game too but it's just like when and, it, and the stuff that he does is absolutely mind-blowing like how, how we can do stuff that he does but it's it's a little bit more mechanical you're to, right that's how i feel when i watch that man i never thought of it like that but you're right it would happen organically and here's a great example like we had a few systems to follow right yeah but it, to me, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but each each time I played on a great team with, I don't know, Vincent Tomfus, Pierre Turgeon. Like, you know, if Pierre Turgeon didn't, like, dump it in every time, he's not going to get shit. Not that McDavid yeah. would either, but there was it was a lot happening organically. Like, the power play, we went back to get it and then get it into the zone and then we'll go from there. Like, there was a breakout. But see, now, you know how they do that power play where they where they all come up and then they drop it to the back guy? Yeah. And it, yeah. Well, that makes sense, but there's not even an option anymore. Like the first guy, does, he, he, like the other night, I'm looking at who was it? It was a D man, and I, I think I, I don't know. Let, let's say Morgan Riley. Um, but and they had the zone. They had yeah. it. And I was, and they, but they turned around because yeah. it's it's uh, very right. like you said, it's mechanical. Yeah. Well, and then it gets back to analytics because statistically, it's probably you better yeah. zone entry with uh, with everybody. Like, you know, I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of analytics behind all those decisions, right? Yeah. Um, the one thing I, I actually, um, I don't think I'm speaking of Turner, but I'm really good buddies with uh, Glenn Goldson, who uh, he's my captain in Saskatoon. And he's oh, a yeah, WHL coach. legend. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. He's assistant coach of the Oilers now, and he runs the power play. And uh, oh, go, I, we'll talk the best power play possibly of all time. <laughs> go ahead. Exactly, right? So, I mean, but you know, he, you know, South of Italy, I mean, he's got the two best players in the world, right? So, like, when he, I was, you know, talking to him about it, like, this is a couple of years ago, he said, like, he says, yeah, we have our sort of structure to get in the zone a bit. Like, we sort of have that thing. But really, when those guys get in the zone, you you, you ask them just you use your creativity. Like, you use you guys. So yeah. that's why you're seeing that power play really be successful this year, in my mind, is that you can't get a read on it. Like, you don't know. No. Like, I mean, of course, you know, Drysdale likes to set up the right dot. Like, he has, his, like, they have their tendencies. But but then they'll switch. And then they'll, you know, and, and, and so you just can't. You can't get a read. Like, you know, behind it, I'm doing those little shovel shots in the net. Like, yeah, there's just so many ways, and then they switch it around on you, right? So, and that's just all their creativity. Once they get in that zone, it's just like these super talented guys are just doing what the hell they want. Right? And it's after amazing. a while, I, 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 oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's, 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 an, it's kind of an, what we were just saying. It's like it's sort of poetry to that, right? Like they're there they're is. being creative and they're being uh, organic and they're being so. It's really, like when you watch that power play, it's so fun to watch because it's not like. 
you know, you get the diamond going and then you have big shot from the point tip in and, you know, and, and it's like, you don't know what they're going to do. You know, that's why I love, and it really rubs off. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to have a hundred fucking points, man. It might be the quietest hundred points that I remember on record. He went first overall and people are saying, I remember for years, yeah. I'm going like, you know, people were down on him. I said, I, I always saw a good player and, oh, but yeah. you're right. A lot of it was now you. Now he's a few years into playing with these guys. It's one thing for them to jump on the team, but you got to you, these great players. It takes a while to realize what they're going to do and how. Okay, now this is a little bit different. This isn't just jump it in, go get it. I'm not saying that he was never creative. Well, but, no, no, no. But man, let me interrupt. Man, uh, with, yeah. with him, he's he's an absolute legend in Edmonton mm. because he's he's gone through the worst of times. Like he was there with Hall and Eberle and all that kind of garbage was garbage years. Yeah. And the reason why I don't, I'm, one of the reasons I think why he's never offensively meeting his potential because he was playing, he had to play defense. Like, he yeah, had, he had yeah. to play a 200 foot game, face offs, whatever, right? And for that guy to battle for years and years and years, and, and nobody, everybody in Edmonton appreciates a hard worker, right? Like, they appreciate a guy that cares and whatever, and just be a good, good dude, right? And he's always been that. And the fact, I mean, now that he's getting rewarded for that now, like, it's just so awesome. And, you know, knock on wood, they have a chance to go far in the playoffs, and that guy deserves everything. I love it, and it's funny because he really has, because he he feeds off those guys, man, and you're right, like, the power play is often organic, and he's not, he's all over, and he has a lot to do with it, man, and you can almost, I'm not seeing, seeing him evolve, but it's nice to see a player like that be able to think because you're not always in that situation. A lot of guys in the NHL, they're in the NHL for a reason. Even Arizona, guys you haven't heard of, they're good players wherever they came from. But a lot of them don't have that freedom to do whatever, I'm not saying whatever they want. There's some sort of a system. But yeah, to be so free, right? A lot of it is just very static. And these guys are fluid. And when you sure, see yeah. a guy like Nugent Hopkins really spread his wings, um, to me, um, and, and and I mean spread him. He shoots left. He uses white tape. His number, I think, has got a nine in it. He, sometimes I think it's McDavid. I never would have yeah. thought of that 10 years ago. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. I'm like, whoa, the game happened. Nice play, McDavid, and it's fucking Nugent Hopkins. And then I got to go, he did yeah. go first overall, right? Oh, he's, he's slick. He's a slick player, man. Yeah, yeah man, he chose, he chose the sign there again, too. People must really love him out there. They, he he can have a statue up front. Like, I mean, honestly, people love Nugent Hopkins and, and, and Edmonton's a very tough market. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like Toronto and, you know, I mean, probably most Canadian cities, but it's like people are pretty ruthless when, you know, we're not winning and, and, you know, they've, they've ran a few guys out of town for sure over the years, but like nobody gets on, nobody gets on Nugent Hopkins. Like he's just, he's just, you can't say a bad word about him. Sam Mann, I didn't explain to people when I when I said one half of the Crazy Eights. For those that don't know, me and Sam Mann call ourselves the Crazy Eights. We both have exactly eight games played. 480 minutes in the uh, coolest league on earth. Now, my question is... Well, that was what I was getting at. I got rounded out of town after eight games. <laughs> well, you're still a fucking ex-Oiler. Hey, like Ken Dryden, remember you went to that Oiler thing a few years ago, then, and I remember we were talking about it. You're like, ah, I don't know, I might go. And I was like, hey, I've gone. It took me a while. The Montreal Canadiens are so legendary and everything. But, I mean, there's also guys like us. We chipped in, though, right? We put on the jersey. We went out there. And uh, there's something to be said for that. So, anyway, anyway, in that time, because it played out in my head like a dream almost because even though there's so many ups and downs and, you know, but you know, each game, you don't, you know, at some point, what I'm trying to say is that for those listening and it is cool. It's like, fuck man, wild that I, it, there, there's this dichotomy of the mind. Cause it is a bit overwhelming. You're like, I'm in the NHL, but there's always a backstory and there's someone that you thought you should have played ahead of before that there's, you know, you're not best friends with every coach and everything. So you're going through this weird kind of roller coaster, but, no matter what, time moves ahead, and at some point you put on the jersey and you fucking skate onto the ice, and you're a fucking NHLer. Do you remember getting any shots on net? Because you're not a big scorer, right? I know that people know that. Like, do yeah. you remember? I remember like certain plays out there. I remember one play when I went, "Fuck, man!" Like, I'm as good as these guys. Like, and I, it, it clicked yeah. that I was an NHLer. Do you remember anything specific? Well, I remember uh, the, my favorite story, and I, I. I I don't remember getting a shot. I probably didn't get a shot. I was just focused on defense. But 
I, as you know, I was a stay-at-home defenseman. So in the, in the American League, like, I was never, like, virtually never on the power play, like, maybe once in a while. That wasn't and, your thing, yeah. No, no. And uh, Ron Lowe is our coach, and unreal guy. Like, what, a, what a prince. I get to see him every once in a while still at the alumni events. And uh, he doesn't – like, he doesn't know my name. Like, you know I mean? He – like, they were just doing me a favor because I was – down the minors, in the middle of all that success, I know what it's like in Montreal, right? You, the, these guys, how do they even remember? This was yeah. eight random games, and they got like eleven cups. Anyway, go. Yeah, so I'm like, um, send me the bench of the power play. So obviously, you guys never you didn't even ask anybody about me and what kind of player it was or whatever. He throws me on the power play. Oh <laughs> no! So I played on the power play in Edmonton in the National uh, Hockey League. In the National Hockey League, yeah. And I did pretty good, actually. Yeah, I made a couple outlet passes, and you know, got up. You know, was yeah, you were good with that outlet, outlet pass. <laughs> that was the thing. If you had added that, though, you know, you knew your. You, you, I'm sure you could have played on the power play, but did you really want to add that? It was a lot to, you know. Then you would have had to worry about points and everything. I sometimes yeah. I'm like, you know, if I could do it all again, I don't. I, I love where I ended in hockey and everything, but let's just say you had to pick another position. Yeah. I'd really like to try out. Grinder with no expectations scoring, a good enough one that plays in the NHL, like a Tyler Janot or whatever, and a you know a defenseman that just made the breakout pass. I'm not underestimating your job. Yeah. Just you know, think of you're talking to someone that's every even from from the time I was in Pee Wee, every game, the back of my head, like did I get a point? Right. Yeah. I don't I didn't play selfishly as you know, but like you know your stat sheet and you know that part of my thing even it's Steve Johnson, I've gone five games without scoring, you know, like that was always on my mind. Now, you being that big, you had to think about tonight so and so is gonna try to take my head off. I had to fight a guy, yeah. That yeah. Well we've talked about that many times. It's like I wasn't like I might fight ten times twelve times a year, but I had to prepare as if I am fighting eighty times a year. Yeah. <clears throat> and that, that mental thing is same for anybody, whether you're fighting 50 times a year or whatever, right? That, that mental process. But uh, yeah, that's, I, I kind of, I mean, we've talked about this many times, but it's, it's, such, it's almost like a, it's like, a, we just sound so old. Remember those days where you had to like, like you just, it's just real, real time. We look back now. I often look, you know, and people talk about it and it wasn't even so much for me what's the word like because you know we wouldn't if we didn't want to or, or we didn't accept the challenge we wouldn't have dropped the gloves people say you know did you think about it i'm like some days was really like fuck it was a lot of anxiety knowing if i or even just going in to play a game in i don't know philadelphia somewhere like that like in back when we i mean you knew that there was a lineup of guys and then if they didn't fight you they were going to hit you and it was going to be a long game right it was going to be a long game so but for me it wasn't always just the thinking but on all those days so there's what 82 um i found it hard to even concentrate on anything else it, it, it was hard to like i don't know machu picchu to sit down and read because in the back of my mind i'm like i might have to fight francis yeah. lassard tonight yeah yeah well yeah well that was i think you think about all that wasted energy that you're using that you could have even uh put towards scoring goals or you know, yeah, me, yeah. me being a power player or playing offense or whatever, like all that, all that energy is just sucked up into that yeah. fight, yeah. fighting part of the game, which was a very minimal part of the game, really, when you talk about minutes and time or whatever. But it's it sucked up a lot of my mental energy when it went towards the game for sure. I definitely spent more time thinking about it, thinking about that than the power play, for example. And I really, the other way around was the expectations. But it's impossible yeah. not to think of it when you got the game coming. And you know, power play is power play. But fuck, I don't know if Brendan Witt wants to cross check me in the teeth. There won't be no power play. Well, I just like I, I do that sometimes. Do the mental thought process of like these guys are playing today. Like, I mean, like, what's their day like compared to what my day was like? I mean, it's like like they they must just be like so happy. They must be, but I, I don't think they realize it. It's like I was talking about the weather on on the the other day on the on the podcast, and I was like, I lived in Orlando, and it was great. But everybody didn't like in, in Newfoundland in the spring. Like right now, I'm looking out. The snow's melting. People are jogging. They're embowering. Like people are fucking pumped. I, I guess Canada. I just said Newfoundland because I'm here. And yeah, you yeah. appreciate the seasons, even though sure. it fucking sucks the winter. <laughs> but you don't really see that in Orlando a little bit. It might get a little bit of a chill. You know, it sways a little bit. You're, you know, there's palm trees everywhere and then yada, yada, yada. But same sort of thing. 
I was last summer t- listening to the boys and like they had a conversation in the room, literally, and they were going, well, do you like playing better on the road or at home? I go, is that a question? I can't think of one fucking place. Right? <laughs> I, I, I don't know anybody on St. John's Maple Leafs, for example, that said, oh, perfect. We're going into Philadelphia. I love playing there. I don't know. <laughs> anybody saying that about Prince Albert or, and that's legit. I go, fuck, you guys don't even know what the other side feels like. Yeah. 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 Like, 100%. Yeah. We, when I was playing for uh, uh, Hamilton or whatever, we had to come to St. John's. That was the same thing. Like we didn't want, we, we didn't want to play the game. We wanted to come to St. John's so we go to yeah. first but we, but we, we did not want to play the game in that barn. Well, <laughs> I gotta be honest and I'm, I'm not, and I'm certainly Sam man. I mean, I'm not even like, it's just the way it went. I mean, I accepted the challenge and I would have gone. I, mean, I, I don't remember hating all of it, but it, it was a lot of wasted energy. And it was, you know, it was a little bit too much at the time. But yeah, like for, for me, I mean, they're great memories. I don't remember like before any of those games, especially not on the road, like being pumped or, or even, okay, here, here. I don't want to mystery. I mean, I, I enjoy, I, I like hanging out with you guys. I like that we did it together. If I was a tennis player, I don't know that it could have lasted, but I love, I mean, there was a part of that, that, you know, it was kind of fun really to go in and look over and warm up and go, holy fuck, man, they got five of them dressed tonight. And look, it was you and Thority and DJ. And there was a togetherness to it that I really wouldn't trade. It's still better than not, but I'll put it when people ask me, they're like, and I really mean this. And I, again, it was the job. I don't mind it. I'm not claiming like depression or anxiety straight out of that or anything. I mean, there was a lot of anxiety that was caused, but there was a lot anyway. I mean, I was nervous before the world championship ball hockey because it was the championship game and I wanted to, you know, there's, there's levels of anxiety, but I remember like people asking me, like, what's it like to play in front of like 20,000 people? And I was like, honestly, that I never really thought about like now you probably would, but I go like, I was more worried about like Domi's over there and I might fight him tonight. Like, I don't give a fuck about that. Like, you know, because there was, there was always, or, or I don't know, Tucker might fucking hit me with my head down or, or Scott Stevens. Like, so now I think you would probably feel that more. I mean, it was great. I loved it, but I I don't remember ever thinking, wow, this is great. There's thousands of people here. That was just a side note. Right. Oh yeah. You're just focused on the, on the ice. Like I, you know, I rarely, Think about anything else, yeah. But now they're uh, tweeting in warm up. I know, I just, or, 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 or yeah. you know, DMing, or you know, it's, it's just great. Like, I mean, it's great. It's a, it's a great fan interaction thing. I think it's actually good for the game, but it's like I, I mentally, mentally, that the, the, the to your point, but but you think about it like if you're spending your all your energy and time, like we were in, like we talked about, versus these guys, like they're just thinking about going on play, so it's very loose, there's a much looser, um mental state that they're in right like they're yeah thinking of their skills they're thinking of whatever making these plays whatever they're not they're not they're not playing they're not preparing in fear i'd <laughs> like to, i'd like know? to ask one day maybe um i can i don't know these guys but i played against them maybe someday i can get like a guy like joe thornton or zidane ochara i really do think i really do that part of it why they played so long is that, you know, they start getting up in their thirties going, Holy shit, man, this is a laugh. How much fun is this? Yeah. I don't even have to like, there's nothing like, fuck, I'm getting hit half the time. I don't have to drop my gloves. The game, you know, people are happy. They're, they're fucking, you know, they're, they're tagging me in a fucking story and warm up, and they play on the other team. I mean, I think there's a level of yeah. what the fuck to it. But I also think, man, if I was, you know, or imagine a Ginla, now he's probably four years out of the league, but towards the end, he must have been going. Christ, man, my first four years were way harder than my last four. Well, I mean, put it, put it in perspective. If you had a son that was playing in the NHL, would you rather play in this era or in our? Oh God! Oh God! Is that a question? Is that a question? Um, okay, how many Sam men? Were you a guy who got in a lot of street fights growing up? Never. Uh, I got, I, I, I had two things happen to me. I might, I, my dad would always tell me like, you know, I, I just stuck with me that uh, no matter how tough you are, there's always somebody tougher, like that kind of mentality. Like, so, you know, you never know you can fight if you can beat. And I, cause I was a big kid too. Right. And I think I was, uh, I was like a bull at China shop growing up. Like I, I'd be in the, principal's office all the time. Like, I guess you might call me a little bit of a bully even like when I was like, younger, younger, like I'm talking yeah, yeah. younger, like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. 
grade two, grade three or whatever. But, um, but I remember around that time, um, I was in the park and I was teasing this one guy and I was kind of whatever. And, and he was smaller than me and man, he just punched me right in the friggin' nose and it just, wow. <laughs> it hurt. It hurt, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. So I, like I, uh, I fucking went crying home and, uh, I fucking, uh, that was the guy that stuck with me big time. It, like, it's it's funny. <laughs> Your dad said that, which is good advice. And Brant Meyer's dad said something that was completely the opposite, and you both ended up fighting at 18 anyway. No, well, <laughs> like Thornton, like the Th Sean Thornton's mentality, like I mean, that came from his dad. Like his dad was a scrapper, and a, yeah, and he, he, was, he, was, he was taught that mentality, right? Um, yeah, I don't know, mate. I uh, I never fought at all growing up, and then even like in you know, especially when I played junior, like you know, bar fights and then like that. Like I never, I only got one bar fight. And it was because of our old friend Rob Hartnell that uh, passed away here a few years ago. But um, he got me in a bar fight, but that was it. And uh, I stayed away from that stuff. I, you know, but yeah, yeah, bar fights I find retired. Yeah, that's nuts too. But on the ice, yeah, we uh, that's so true. Yeah, well, Brent, I, I, Brent was on your uh, podcast there, and um, yeah, like I, I, the funny thing is, uh, I probably I fought that guy probably ten times. Like between the juniors, and he sent me one on. Like there was a recording of it somewhere, and he sent me right after. Yeah, yeah. So we became, and I'm not lying, we became friends from fighting. Like, wow. like we'd fight and go to the penalty box the first two or three times, and be like whatever. And then once one time we, you know, the fourth time, you know, you kind of get a bit of a camaraderie. You know how that is, right? Like, oh uh, yeah, know, man, you, you get it too, better, right? And they say, "Good job, you know, good fight or whatever." And then you know, then build. And I remember. Uh, being in Atlanta, I was in Kansas City. We're in Atlanta, and uh, he's playing there. And and I, I just got to Kansas City. I said, Mizey, I got to fight you tonight. I just got to loan out here. I got to I got to put a show on. <laughs> so so we fought. We fought, and he beat me up again. You know, and then yeah, he was the fucking. <laughs> he's a, a lefty. He was yeah, the best gunslinger in the West. Yeah, the lefty always got me. And then uh, we went to the penalty box, and I said, he said, I said, where are we going? Where are we going tonight? And he uh, he took me out. And you know, the funny thing is like. I mean, I'm so proud of him for what he's done and, and how yeah, he's turned yeah, great. around. And I mean, um, you know, some of his stories are just crazy. But he's from Edmonton, and so am I. And he's a year or two, he's two years younger than me. And it's weird, like when we be kind of when I say became friends, it'd be like, you know, I see him at the bar, hey, how's it going, buddy? You know, we'd have some, we'd hang out tonight, and we'd maybe yeah. go to an outing party once in a while, you know, that kind of stuff, right? But I never saw that side of him once, ever. Like the the drugs and the and the crazy stuff and whatever. Like he, I don't know what it was. Like whether he just showed up to certain people or it was something to do with me or whatever. But he was always a good, really a really good guy. He was always a really good guy, no matter how crazy things got. Like I think you talk to anybody that played with him, like they'll say, "Oh yeah, he was fucking crazy," but great, great guy. Like yeah. I, mean, I always got that sense, man. Yeah. I always got that. I, I met him in Fishing Lake with Sheldon Surrey in the summer. I, I, okay. I, I, you know, I didn't even, I don't know yeah. how it came to be, man. But uh, I, I used to go to Edmonton every summer as well. I mean, I, I know the way it is. We'd go to Ezzy's, Cowboys. Like, there was somewhere to go every night. We'd train. Uh, they hit oh, White geez. Avenue, maybe. But I, you know, so, and uh, Sam, man, I don't know why. Maybe it's Scott Bonner. But. Did you ever notice how overrepresented Edmonton was when it came to the Tri-City Americans? Yeah, I think it was Scott Bonner, I think. Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, m more than half my team, the overwhelming yeah. majority are from Edmonton. So I would go, and it was impossible, you know, I don't know. E even guys like, like I knew Jason Parolin, he's from Vernon, but he went over to Edmonton one year to play. Mike Dubinsky, you know, yeah. Surrey, Dingman, fucking the, the Hurleys on my team. Right, I, I would generally go to Edmonton with the Hurleys, Sheldon yeah. Surrey, and then go from there. So I kind of, you were just a little bit older. Yeah, I just miss you guys for sure. I only, yeah. uh, well, I was trying to think of the one guy, I can't remember his name. Anyway, there's one guy that was a bit of a crossover, but that was it. Uh, Sam, man, let's see. So I got to take off in about five or six minutes. I appreciate you doing this. For those that don't know, I didn't have a, a big time intro today because uh, I'm leaving on Sunday. And honestly, I wasn't going to have anybody, but I like to have a conversation more often than not. And I think the people deserve it. And by the way, I'm going to start coming up with something for my solo episodes. I think five up, I'm going to call it, and just five things that I recommend that might not be for, they might be relevant for that week. They might be not. 
but uh, at least I'll have something to uh, to talk about and a game plan. So, Sam, man, thanks for doing this today. Now, is there anything coming up that you need to promote or where are you going to be? You got an Alzheimer's tournament coming up, don't you? For you and you're going to represent your company. Uh, yeah, we're going out there. I'm not I'm not participating as a player, but um, hockey helps the homeless. Uh, sorry, that's another one uh, as well. But uh, Alzheimer's tournament in Edmonton, April 27, 29th. Um, we have an industry team of uh, developer, developers, engineers, contractors that go in there. We've raised our, – our group has raised over a million bucks. Um, we sort of passed the torch on a younger group of guys, um, and it's called the Select Team, and they are uh, – uh, we're doing a fundraiser next week for that and getting ready for that, and then the tournament's in the end of the month. And then May – I want to say May 5th, 6th, 7th, the week after is Hockey Helps the Homeless in Edmonton, which I'm going to be uh, an alumni in that uh, tournament, which is another real fun one. Actually, uh, Ron Lowe and uh, Linda Lowe um, – organize that and do a great job. So those are the two of the things. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about what we've been working on with you? And, uh, and, I mean, uh, we could, I've teased that I'm going to have a drink release soon, like relatively within a couple of years, we're working on this. Why don't you tell people what you know? I don't know what I'm at Liberty to say. Yeah. Well, I, know, I, was, I think what we could definitely say is that we're uh, working on a new sort of logo and a brand and a, um, um, streamlining sort of your social media stuff and just sort of like setting you up for uh for any of that future opportunities that might come down the pipe and obviously with shorzy and hopefully the success will come from that and other stuff that you're doing and but yeah trying to just give you a logo and sort of uh this kind of what, what do you what do you want to call it like just make it, it consistent across all the stuff a consistent brand yeah so my what, what, what you're going to see on the drink can is probably going to be uh, crossed over into my podcast, whatever else we – I, I mean, I want to put out some merchandise there, and this is me saying, hey, I want to make some money. But it's also a lot of people ask, man, because, you know, I don't really have that option. Not really. Um, I, I've teased it over the years. I have a book and stuff, but it was the uh, – you know, I don't have any merch that really goes with this, and I'd like to get going. Yeah, that's the, the first step, I think, is that you can uh, take that and go around with it and start selling some stuff to people. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I just thought, yeah, I think that's fair to make that announcement. I mean, uh, hopefully it's coming down the pipe here and we're uh, next couple of weeks, actually. And I will see you at some point between now and May, I believe, 15th, when I'm going to be back from shooting season two. And uh, we'll go out for dinner or something one night. And I'm really looking forward to Machu Picchu. I really am. I'm going to leave no. everything, all the planning in your hands, A, because it's not as much of a hassle, but other than knowing about Machu Picchu, I don't have the connections that you got. Yeah, we'll figure it out, and uh, I'm going to send you a form right now that you got to fill out. So that's your that's your homework to do to do that when you can. Fantastic. Good luck, good luck at uh, shooting that, too, and hopefully I'll see you uh, during or after. Thanks very much, Sam, man. It was awesome to talk to you again, and we'll talk real soon. Okay, brother. Love you. See you, my man. Love you to death. Okay, folks, that was episode 148B with my buddy Taran Samwith. It's always nice to catch up and have a conversation with such an articulate, articulate, athletic, interesting guy. So thanks again to Taran Samwith. Folks, if you're downtown St. John's this weekend, this is my last weekend for two months, so uh, you better believe you'll see me there. Where will I be? I'll probably be at the Bull and Barrel, TJ's Pub, Rob Roy Confusion, the Martini Bar, Greensleeves Pub, or the bull and barrel. If I'm going to go for a bite to eat, you know where I'm going to go? Definitely, definitely to Blue on Water, Merchant Tavern, and Wedgwood Cafe. Why? Because it's great, and they're my buddies, and it's a great deal. Good food, good drinks, good time. Uh, you want to go change your life. You want to work out. You want to be positive. You want popping muscles. You want a brain that's clear and focused. You want strength and balance for the body and mind. You look no further than Power, Ryan Power at Power Conditioning, Rope Walk Lane right here in St. John's. I go there tomorrow for my last session before I leave, and honestly, it changed my life in more ways than one. So thanks to Ryan Power, and I recommend it to everybody listening. If you're in St. John's or planning to visit, you need some car, you're having some car trouble, you need an oil change, you need new tires, you need whatever, you know where you head, you head to Mr. Lube. There's two locations. One is on Torbay Road, one is on Kemmount Road. My good buddy, Chris Sparks, owns both and will take care of you. 
Pitbull Pain Relief. Pitbullpainrelief.com. Check it out. Pain sticks that don't quit. I absolutely love them. I live by them, and I use them almost every day, especially if I'm doing something athletic or physical. Even if I'm moving things, cleaning the house, Pitbull Pain Relief. Pitbullpainrelief.com. Check it out. See what all the fuss is about. True Hockey, take what's yours. I absolutely love True Hockey Sticks. I love that you guys are sponsoring me, but they really are my favorite. No shit. Check it out. True Hockey, take what's yours. Folks, thanks for listening. The next time you hear this voice, it'll be coming from Sudbury, Ontario. Run them up, fill them in. Thanks again. Catch you on the rebound. This has been 148B Tales with TR.